if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed it is, and a good morning to you. Thanks for being with us as we get rolling at eight minutes after the hour of nine o'clock on a Monday. A brand new start to a brand new week, and let's make it a great start indeed. It's the 29th morning of the sixth month of the year of our Lord, 2020. Uh, I'm going to do my best to be optimistic today, and I'm going to try to look forward, but we do have a lot of things to address that, quite frankly, are troubling. One of which is the fact that in four months, We will go to the polls and elect the next president of the United States. It will be a continuation of President Trump's administration, or it will be a giant step toward socialism in the United States of America. And I am very, very, very worried about that. And when you see headlines from GOP operatives who suggest that President Trump could actually drop out before the election, if he sees no chance of winning, you should be worried too. And that's how we're going to start this broadcast this morning. There are a lot of things to do, but I really... Look, I said this to somebody off the air uh, over the weekend as we were discussing you know, politics and the sort of thing that most of us... If you listen to talk radio like this program, and if you listen to Hugh Hewitt, and if you listen to the rest of the Salem programs, uh, you, you talk about this stuff pretty much in your sleep, right? Uh, it, you can't really not. Uh, you try to get away from it and leave yourself some breaks, at, uh, give yourself some breaks at certain times, but we're always talking about it. And I was talking about it to some friends, and um, the fact of the matter is the polls that are, are so devastatingly depressing right now for President Trump... Um, cannot just be discounted with a, hey, they were wrong in 2016, I believe they're going to be wrong again. President Trump is going to roll to victory. There's a silent majority that isn't being polled, et cetera, et cetera. I talked to Newt Gingrich about that, and that's what he said. Uh, I have talked to Congressman Jordan, which I will do again this morning at 948, and he kind of says the same thing. People aren't worried about the polls. I am worried about the polls. And like I said, one of the reasons why is when you have uh, this kind of messaging. Um, look, let's be honest. President Trump is a proud, proud, proud man. President Trump is extraordinarily driven by his pride. He likes to be the smartest guy in every room. And in many rooms, he is. 
He likes to, uh, you know, to to prop himself up as being the billionaire and who's been the great success story and who's done the most good for this country in decades and has done the most uh, for African-Americans since President Lincoln, he says uh, uh, very proudly. Lincoln freed the slaves, and I've done more for black people in America since that time. I mean, there's a, look, he's he's got a lot of hubris, and President Trump, quite frankly, has a bit of narcissism. Uh a lot of great leaders do. That's not a criticism. It's just an acknowledgement. He's a strong believer in himself, and he has got a lot of pride. He's got a lot of he's got a lot of self love. I don't know if President Trump could put himself through a loss. I don't know if President Trump Trump's pride and ego and narcissism would allow him to run a race that he doesn't think he can win and then have to concede and say, apparently Americans didn't like the job I did for four years. They wouldn't give me a second term. I don't know that that is something he can endure and would want to endure, which is why this headline uh, stuck out like a sore thumb yesterday. GOP operatives are asking some whether or not the president would drop out rather than take the loss. If his poll numbers don't improve, would he just bail on the entire thing and say, well, people don't think I'm doing it right, let somebody else run this, rather than take the loss. Uh, Fox News reporting this, a stretch of lackluster polling for President Trump has some Republican operatives nervous about the president's re-election prospects in November, some even floating the possibility for the first time that he could drop out if the poll numbers don't rebound. It's too early, but if the polls continue to worsen, you can see a scenario where he drops out one GOP operative who asked to remain anonymous told Fox News. I've heard the talk, but I doubt it's true, another said. My bet is he drops if he believes there's no way to win. So in other words, he says he doubts it's true, but then says if it gets worse and he thinks there's no way to win, then he might drop. Charles Gasparino reported this on Twitter. Breaking GOP uh, operatives are for the first time raising the possibility President Trump could drop out if his poll numbers don't rebound. Over the weekend, I spoke to a sample of major players. One described President Trump's current psyche as fragile. Fragile. And that is not President Trump. President Trump has always been strong. He's been, you know, if anything, he's been the opposite of fragile. He has portrayed and projected strength and defiance rather than fragility. Uh, I'm not convinced yet, says this particular operative. He's got time and he's running against an opponent who is literally hiding in his basement. Plus, the public isn't focusing yet on just how left-wing Joe Biden has become, so much so that he can bring, uh, he can bring himself to denounce rioting. Um, that said, the speculation indicates how tense GOP operatives are around Trump losing and if the party losing the Senate uh, and the party losing the Senate and having their entire agenda abolished in a leftist wave election. Again, a lot of time and Trump has endured a couple of months, a horrible couple of months rather, but that's the snapshot right now. I think I should say snapshot. I'm quoting directly from Charles Gasparino's tweets. President Trump's poll numbers in recent weeks have trended downward amid criticism over his administration's handling of the coronavirus pandemic and the White House's response to the protests and riots. A recent Fox News poll had the president trailing Joe Biden by 12, while Real Clear Politics average of polls had Trump down almost 10 to the former vice president, Biden also leading in many key battleground states. And polls from Republican strongholds such as Texas 
had Trump and Biden neck and neck. Now, polls in the past, of course, have been way off the mark. We know that. And now let's bring the optimism. I said I want to try to look forward here and bring a little bit of optimism. Trump campaign spokesman Tim Murtaugh responded to this report saying, this is the granddaddy of fake news. Everyone knows that media polling has always been wrong about President Trump. They undersample Republicans and don't screen for likely voters in order to set false narratives. It won't work, though. There was a similar fretting in 2016, and if it had been accurate, Hillary Clinton would be in the White House right now, end quote. After the latest spate of polls, his campaign released a memo on Sunday essentially refuting claims that the president's re-election chances were in trouble. The campaign cited polling that showed a lack of enthusiasm for Biden, especially in many key battleground states, and called into question the methodology used in the major polls. As was the case in 2016, the mainstream media, according to the campaign, uh, mainstream news media is relying on polling financed by their own operations and others in order to set the narrative that conforms to their own worldviews. The president's campaign has repeatedly called into question the validity of such polling based on the methodology, party representation in the sample, wording of questions, and other factors. There are legitimate criticisms, and there are real differences between public polling and proprietary internal polling, such as the campaign conducts for itself, end quote. So here's what I'm going to ask for your consideration and discussion. Do you think that the same major polls that were so incredibly embarrassed four years ago by being so wrong and assuming that Hillary Clinton was going to just coast into an easy victory, a boat race over President Trump, do you think that those polls would not change their methodology that they used last time to avoid embarrassment again? Do you think that they would make the same mistakes for two consecutive news cycles? Or not news cycles, beg your pardon. Election cycles. Would they make the same mistake four years apart and get it wrong again and have President Trump win despite all of their 10 to 12 point you know, margins for Biden, et cetera, et cetera, um, if it essentially would put their polling services out of business? Who would ever trust them again? Who would ever listen to them again? Would they make the same mistakes? And secondly, the second question for you is, do you think that the president would ever drop out prior to November if he felt like he can't win? As I said in the beginning of this monologue, President Trump's a proud guy. President Trump is close to being narcissistic. And again, that's not a criticism. Many great leaders have been narcissistic. They have really believed themselves to be the answer to every question and that they can do it better than anybody else can. He's not unique in that regard. Um, so knowing that, that he kind of has those characteristics, like many great leaders have, can you see him taking the loss and then just, you know, thanking the nation and saying, good luck, President Biden? Or do you think he would not be there for that and drop out? Because those are the reports, and I want to know how you feel about them. 216 We'll have time to talk to you before uh, President, before Congress. Boy, wouldn't that be a, doesn't that have a beautiful ring to it? President Jim Jordan, which is what I almost slipped and said, that would be great. Uh, Congressman Jim Jordan will be joining us at 948 this morning. Very much looking forward to his conversation about this, about presidential politics, and about uh, what is going on on Capitol Hill as well. So that's coming up. But I would love to hear from you, 216-901-0945. And, in fact, we can take phone calls right after this on AM 1420, The Answer.
1420, The Answer. We continue talking about presidential politics. We have a lot more to discuss this morning as well, including another deadly, deadly weekend in Chicago as 14 more people were killed among 59 more shot in the weekend or over the weekend. And as always, the vast majority of the victims are black. The vast majority of the shooters are black. And where is Black Lives Matter? Uh, we're going to discuss that. We're going to talk. We're going to discuss uh, a, a kind of a growing, growing tide. I think it's kind of a kind of a building tide, quite frankly, of people starting to recognize that Black Lives Matter isn't about black lives. Black Lives Matter is about. Politics. Black Lives Matter is about insurrection. Black Lives Matter is about Marxism. Black Lives Matter is about working with Antifa to essentially undercut the American society and the American government. It's not about looking for equality, and it's not about prioritizing black lives. And I've got a lot of information and evidence for you on that. To the president's uh, story, though, here's one question for you to consider as I go to your phone calls. When I ask you, do you think the polling services are going to make the same exact mistakes they did four years ago? Because who does that in business, right? Who does that in business? If you run a restaurant and you um, try a bunch of brand new foods that just go belly up and nobody buys them and you, re- and you start losing money hand over fist and then you go back to your regular way of doing business, cooking your old standbys and the people come back, would you a few years later make the same mistake again and start serving up the same bad food that cost you money before? Or do you learn from your mistakes? Because that's a question we have to ask the polling companies. Are they learning from their mistakes from four years ago? Are they doing the same methodology? Would they rather advance a narrative or would they rather be right? So that's one part. And then the other part is, what will and can the president do to close the gap between now and November? Because there are a lot of, there's a, you know, quite quite a number of mistakes and gaffes and stories that the president's going to have to deal with. You know, for example, over the weekend, the president's got his propensity to get up on Twitter and start firing off tweets or retweeting things, sometimes knowing what he's doing, sometimes perhaps not. And this is what they're saying was the case in a tweet that he offered over the weekend in which he retweeted somebody uh, with a video that contained somebody in the video shouting white power. That's a terrible look for a president who is being called a racist. The president then deleted that tweet, and the argument from the White House and from Kayleigh McEnany is he retweeted it without hearing the phrase white power. He didn't know the phrase was in there, and then when he realized it, he deleted it. Okay, but again, we're talking about optics here. We're talking about a look in, a, in the middle of race riots and BLM being painted on Fifth Avenue uh, and on downtown Cleveland streets, et cetera, when Black Lives Matter is 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 the story right now, perhaps even more so than the Chinese coronavirus, for the president to make a mistake, such as tweeting out something that includes white power, it does not help. It just does not help. Now we're getting word, and this is a New York Times story, could be fake news. That's the president's response to it this morning, with the New York Times story saying that Russia paid Taliban members bounties to kill Americans in Afghanistan in order to try to drive the Americans out. Now, the White House is saying that is ridiculous. We had no knowledge of that whatsoever. 
President Trump said nobody ever briefed me with that with that information or the vice president. And KT McFarland, who used to be the deputy national security advisor, said this morning, yeah, I have been in those briefings with the president. And believe me, the way the system works is reports that aren't verified, double and triple check, don't get to the president. Because why would we give him briefings on things that can't be verified? Because what if he then decides to act on unverified uh, reports like that? So... Is it, a, is it a scandal? Is it a problem? Is it a mistake? Is it an error? We don't know yet, but what we do know is that the optics are, are bad. The left is going to portray this as the Trump administration's right hand doesn't know what the left hand is doing. The right hand, the, right hand, the executive, doesn't know what the intelligence uh, uh, agencies are doing. Because look what Putin did. Look what Putin did here. He paid the Taliban, and they're just accepting it at face value to kill Americans, and Trump didn't even know about it. So it, it's, there's a lot more you know, stuff that's going to be thrown at our president over the next four months. Will he be able to handle all of the stuff that's being thrown? Will he be able to avoid the self mistakes, you know, the, the, um, uh, the, the, the un, uh, uh, unforced errors, including things like tweets? that really make him look bad? Will he be able to avoid those things? What is your faith? What does your faith tell you over the next four months? All right, let's go to it. Uh, We're going to go to Twinsburg. Mike got in first on AM 1420, The Answer. Hello, Mike, you're on the air. Go ahead. Hey, Bob, how you doing this morning? Good, sir. What's on your mind? Good, good. You had asked um, if the pollsters would change their poll parameters. Yeah. Um, so they're not embarrassed by wrong yeah. polls. And, that. I, and I guess I'd answer that. Right, exactly. And uh, I guess I'd answer that with a question because I don't think so, uh, only for the reason that were they ever embarrassed by the, the wrong coverage and the wrong um, answers they had to problems in the past? Were they ever embarrassed by Russia? Were they ever embarrassed by their impeachment coverage, their Kavanaugh coverage? Did they ever change any of their coverage based on any information that came out or any facts that came out based on well, I, I, I wouldn't conflate wrong, and, Mike. And I wouldn't conflate had. coverage. I wouldn't conflate coverage with polling. You know, their coverage, if you will, of you know Russia Gate and 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 you know Ukraine and all this other stuff and the impeachment. Their coverage is always going to be slanted, and they don't care how wrong they are because they have an agenda there. But their polling services only um, uh, only get credibility when they're right once in a while. If they're wrong repeatedly, then nobody is ever going to. Try Trust their polling again, and if people don't trust the polling, then they tend to not trust their brand. So you know whether it's Fox News polling or CNN poll, because you got to remember too, we're not just talking about MSNBC polling now. We're not talking about ABC or any of the others that may be guilty of that push polling. Now we're talking about Fox News polling too, showing a twelve point deficit. Um, you know, I kind of think they want some credibility. I kind of think they don't want to, you know, be wrong. You know, for uh, uh, twice uh, twice in a row in two four year election cycles. Yeah, I think there's a lot that goes on with polling, as we you've talked about and everybody's talked about too, that doesn't come out in the polls. But you can you can conflate coverage and polling with a lot of the media that's out there um, to the extent that yeah, they don't care that they were wrong. They're not going to be. They're not going to care that they're wrong in the polls, and the polls are just another aspect of their coverage, which okay. is one of the reasons okay. that I don't. So, you, so you're saying so you're saying that so you're saying that they don't they don't care if if you know they have um, Biden winning by eight points and then Trump wins by two 
um, any more than they cared that they had Hillary the same way and uh, and got I don't think so. I think polling is just another aspect of their coverage. Okay. Uh, hey, Mike, a, that's what I'm asking. Science to them anymore. That's I appreciate. That's I appreciate the answer. Uh, thank you. That's that's right. a, it's, that's a good way to look at it. Appreciate it. Uh, okay. Mike says no. He doesn't think the polling uh, services care if they get it wrong, and they're going to use the same methodology. I want to know what you think. We'll have this discussion continuing after the news on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Okay, it's 9.35. We continue on AM 1420, The Answer. Thanks for uh, being with us. Uh, we've got Congressman Jim Jordan coming up, coming up at about 9.48. Very much looking forward to that conversation. Want to hear more from you now. We're talking about presidential politics, and we're talking about polling numbers, and they don't look good. And neither do a few headlines in the last few days for the president. They don't look good. John Bolton telling a bunch of lies in a book about President Trump. That doesn't look good. And we can say, well, they're lies. Okay, but they still get traction among people who don't know their lies, and that's a problem. And then you got family uh, uh, members. Uh, Donald Trump's uh, sister going to write a book and talk about how bad he is and so on, so, or going to release a book, rather. So there's all kinds of things. Uh, how concerned are you on June 29th about the election on November 3rd? And reports from some GOP ops according to uh, multiple reports, saying that President Trump is in a very fragile state right now, mentally, over all of this. And, uh, you know, I can say this, by the way, before I go to you, I heard a slight bit, I think, of that fragile state in the interview that he did, the town hall he did Thursday night with Sean Hannity. I didn't pay much attention to it at the time. Um... That's why I didn't talk about it on Friday. But now that I'm getting these reports and I go back and listen to that with fresh ears, you know, when he talked about how some people don't love me and some people, uh, you know, don't, uh, you know, don't think, don't think I'm doing a good job and uh, they're going to vote for Biden. And, and it did sound a little kind of sad and depressed. So at any rate, these are the reports. How seriously do you take them? How concerned are you? Two one six nine zero one zero nine four five. Let's go to TJ in Cleveland. Hey, TJ, go ahead. Yeah, Mike. I mean, uh, Bob, I agree with Mike's call. You know, these pollsters, they have an agenda, and that's more important than a business. Uh, they try to uh, rig an election, not rig it, but sway an election in 2016. They weren't embarrassed when it turned out wrong. They were disappointed, and they're going to try to do the same thing this time, and if they're wrong, they won't be uh, disappointed. But I'll tell you, I am worried about this election, and as far as uh, Trump you know, stepping down, resigning, I don't know. I mean... If he did, I almost couldn't blame him, you know, I mean, with what they're putting this man through. I would like him to listen to that, I think, is a Billy Joel song, Good Night Saigon. Uh, if we go down, we'll all go down together. I, I would like to, to think he would be thinking that way, because if he leaves and he quits, he quit on all of us. You know what I'm saying? And I just yeah. hope he wouldn't yeah. do that. But I am worried. I do, too. I mean, it's, uh, uh, it, it, this is a hard thing to fight against, this fake news and... Uh, it's like the whole world is against and, them, and, and the de- and the deep state people inside the government, you know, yes. working working against him in in many ways. Um, now he's even got the Rolling Stones against him. I mean, this is just ridiculous. Yeah. And and I'm afraid what's going to happen is like that woman from Venezuela says, they're going to get their Biden, and overnight we're going to lose everything, and right. we're going to look back and say, what the hell happened? Because to me, and thank you, TJ, for the call. I appreciate it. Because to me, it's not just Biden. 
Um, you're getting a far left version of Biden, by the way. Not the Biden that was the vice president uh, in 2008 uh, when he ran with Obama. Not the Biden that was in the Senate, who was a little bit more center left than wild radical left. Now it's wild radical left Biden. But it's not just him. It's if the Democrats turn out the right votes in the right places to get Biden elected, I believe they will have the right votes in the right places to take the Senate as well. And then this country, am I guilty of hyperbole if I say is over? Um, This country may be over. If you give Joe Biden the Oval Office, and he's so incoherent and lost that he doesn't know what he's doing or what he's doing there, and he is allowed to be run from behind the scenes, to be you know propped up and puppeted, if you will, by the far the far left. And like I said, he has gone far left radical, but that's when he's coherent and when he's and when he's uh, co- you know cognizant of what he's saying. Most of the time, he's not. And when he's not, he's going to be propped up and run as a puppet, essentially, by, uh, by radicals themselves behind the scenes. Then he'll have a radically left Senate, a radically left Pelosi-driven. If you imagine Schumer in charge of the Senate and Pelosi continuing in charge of the uh, House of Representatives. The Green New Deal is now front and center. The destruction and the erasure of American history will happen. The defunding of police in large part across America will happen. Um, All of your worst nightmares will be on the table November 3rd if Donald Trump loses. You don't have to be a huge Trump supporter to understand how important it is that he wins. You don't have to even like him. If you're moderate and you just hate Trump's personality and the way he talks and the way he tweets, you can hate him all you want, but you better recognize we have one chance to stop the wild, radical lurch towards socialism that the Democrats bring, and that chance is Donald Trump. He's our last chance. We hold that Oval Office in the power of a veto. And we perhaps hold on to the Senate. We have a chance to stem the tide of this driving toward Marxism by BLM, socialism by the mainstream Democrat Party, and the eventual implementation and, and, and creep toward communism that they believe is right, an end to Christianity, an end to religious liberty. Look, I'm not trying to be, you know, it's kind of funny. I said I want to be optimistic today. I want to look forward, and then I get myself dragged into the reality of the situation right now, and it's hard. Understand that Donald Trump is literally our last chance to save this country. Even if you don't like him, recognize that and vote to stop. Even if you want to say I voted for Trump, vote to stop the advancement of socialism and radicalism. And Antifa getting a Democratic member of Congress said Antifa doesn't exist. It's an imaginary thing. They're going to allow Antifa and BLM to run policy. Vote, if nothing else, to stop that. We cannot have terrorist organizations that believe in Marxist principles by their own words. 
running and making decisions for elected officials. Navy man Norm is in Strongsville on AM 1420, The Answer. Let's go there. Hey, Norm, go ahead. Well, I don't like to hear gloom and doom, but I do agree with you on one point. Uh, It looks bad right now, but it looked bad back in October of 2016. It really looked bad with about 14 points down with Hillary. And I, Bob, I'm sorry, I don't give a a hoot in hell about their polls. I really don't. I don't believe that, period. Because I know when I was carrying some Nielsen uh, meters around, you can... You can uh, turn a TV station on or a channel and leave it on all day, and they're going to report back uh, exactly what these Nielsen meters say. So, you know, I don't believe that. But getting back to Trump himself, yeah, um, he's probably, I, I think the best thing I heard was Ed Rollins on uh, one of the shows say, the only one that can beat Trump is Trump himself. And I think that's true. I think he's got to forget, you know, forget what they did in the past about the campaigns. I think he needs to bring back people like Corey Lewandowski and Dave Bossy, the guys that were the real architects of his campaign and getting it solid. That's what I think. Jared Kushner, I think, is a total ass. I really do. I'm sorry. I think the man's an ass, and I think Gerald Kushner is up to Jared Kushner and not the president. And the Rhinos, Portman, Boom. Uh, McConnell's, all of those people. I don't see them. Every time I turn the television on, I see that 80-year-old skank, Pelosi. And, you know, it, it ruins my day. It ruins my night because where's the Republicans in front of the cameras? If it wasn't for Jim Jordan and Matt Gates and uh, Dan Crenshaw, I wouldn't see any Republicans on TV. Yeah. So where the hell are and, and, and I don't well, you're, you're not you're not you're not only going to see them on TV, Norm. Thanks for the call. You're going to hear at least one of them on the radio coming up next. I've got to get there. We'll get out now, so we have time for Congressman Jim Jordan, who will join us on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Okay, 949 now. We do continue on AM 1420, The Answer. I want to say good morning to uh, Congressman Jim Jordan, who joins us for his regular Monday visit. Good morning, Congressman. How are you, sir? I'm fine, Bob. Good to, good to, three times in one week. Good to be with you. Uh, absolutely. I love it. Uh, we can't get enough of uh, your insight and your analysis about what's going on. <laughs> so we'll... We'd have you on once a day or once a day if we could, but uh, I know you got work to do. You got work to do today, as a matter of fact, too. In fact, I wasn't going to start here, uh, but I'm going to since we kind of uh, uh, crept toward that, and that is uh, the Oversight Committee. There is going to be uh, testimony today offered by Andy No, a reporter from yeah. Portland. And we all know Andy No as the reporter sure. who was beaten and savagely attacked by members of Antifa when he was daring to, you know, do his job, with such as record right. and, uh, and report on the stories of Antifa's extraordinary violent tendencies mm-hmm. um, at various demonstrations. Uh, at least one member of your body in the, in the House, Democrat, uh, the Democrat controlled House, has said Antifa's a figment of the imagination. It's imaginary it doesn't exist what do you expect from andy no today well i think he's going to tell us just the opposite uh you know he has the uh the actual scars and wounds to uh to show for it uh, god bless him for for out there doing the doing his job and actually reporting the truth reporting the facts doing what mo- most of the mainstream journalists won't do shows what really what, what really is happening and how how radical 
this group is. And as you say, Bob, to have the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee on the floor of the House last week actually say Antifa is imaginary. I mean, it, it ticked me off, and I went. I, I had to say something right afterwards. But we thought, who better than on this briefing on on um, you know First Amendment liberties? Who better to have than Andy Ngo, who's who's lived it, and God bless him for getting the truth to the American people. Yeah, he has indeed suffered it, and he knows it, and he's lived it. And uh, and I just cannot believe anybody can deny the existence. I mean, honestly, if you just look at what's happened over the last month of, of protests and riots, it's not just Black Lives Matter. There is an extraordinary large number of white people out there, and they're the ones marching under the banners of Antifa. I mean, I mean, are we yeah. just not to believe our lying eyes? And then when they make yeah. statements to the press, they're talking about their their beliefs. And, and, and Antifa, of course, is, is recognized online and has been designated by the president as a foreign or as a uh, domestic terrorist organization to deny their yeah. existence is to just um, I don't know I don't know what the reason for that would be you know the, the other thing that I've been thinking about too go back remember during the lockdown and even yeah. to, to some degree still today during the lockdown you, you couldn't open your business you couldn't go to church you couldn't buy a gun you couldn't go to one of your loved ones funerals but these same Democrat elected officials all said oh you know what these protests are fine. And they would actually go out and be with the protest. Remember what de Blasio said? He said to the Jewish community, if you go to church, if you go to synagogue and you practice your faith, we're going to have the NYPD come in and shut you down. And then what did he say during the violent protests in New York City? Oh, I want the police to exercise a light touch. So a light touch on the people who were breaking, destroying property and attacking police officers. But if you try to go to church... He's going to send in the NYPD to arrest you and fine you. Th- that to me is like so disgusting. What the what the, the, mm. the mindset there, and and then you couple that with someone who was covering the violence and the protests and how how bad it was. Uh, like Andy, no, he gets attacked, and guess what? The Democrats didn't even want to let him come in. They initially said, no, 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 this is not what this hearing is about. And we're like, well, we're going to push for this witness. We want him to come in, and they finally agreed to let him come in. So th- that that whole. That whole mindset we saw from these Democrat mayors and Democrat governors just ticks me off. Unbelievable. Yeah, you and you and me both, and millions of Americans as well, Congressman. Um, let, let's talk about those riots and the, and the ongoing demonstrations. I, I, I can't recall any demonstrations and protests. These attacks on our monuments, the dragging down of statues, and, and the defacing of, of public property, federal property particularly. Um, the president is acting, obviously. The president says, as a matter of fact, I thought Bill Barr said, correct me if I got this wrong, that there are 500 active investigations uh, into uh, individuals who have been defacing property and yep. committing some of the yep. uh, the vandalism uh, on these federal monuments, um, and and it's all a part of our history, uh, Congressman Jordan. I, I feel like this isn't just an act of rage and an act of act of anarchy, which it is. It is those things. It's just not sure. spe- exclusively those things. There is an attempt here to wipe out our history. We talked. You and I talked yep. about this before. You know, in Orwell. You know, talk those who control the the past control the present, and those who control the present control the future. Yeah. No. I mean, I, I, I can't say it any any better. And I always come back to you know where does it end. Remember what the president said three years ago? He said, you know, pretty soon they'll be coming for, uh, you know, Washington and Jefferson uh, monuments and, and Shazam. That's exactly what happened. Yeah, when he said that, everyone, every, everyone laughed at him. And, you know, they made fun of him on the, on the comedy shows and all this stuff. But turns out he was, he was a visionary. He was exactly right. And so uh, where does it I really think, Bob, that this, this election now has it's come down to one sort of fundamental issue. And that is, can America stay America? Uh, you know, look, we all understand we're, we're not perfect. We're human beings, and our country's not perfect. But I, I do know this. It's the greatest country ever. 
and it's done more good for more people around the planet than any other nation in the history of the world, and, and yet you have the left who wants to destroy it and say we're bad. And I think so many Americans understand that, no, deep down this is a great country. We've had flaws. We get that, and we're trying to correct those, and we understand that. That's, that's part of being human. So this election, in my judgment, is about will America be America in the future? Can America stay America? That's what this election is about, and everyone knows deep down that Joe Biden will not stand up, cannot stand up to the left, cannot stand up to these radicals who are doing all the crazy things we see happening in our culture today. And the only one who can stand up to him, the only one who's proven he's willing to do what he said and stand up to people, is President Trump. And the, this election is about that fundamental issue. There are, there are other tangents and issues off of that, but the fundamental issue is that can America stay America? And only President Trump is willing to stand up to the radicals. Well, I'm glad you pivoted to President Trump. That's where I wanted to go next. Before we talk about polling and about the president's um, uh, state of mind right now and some reports about his uh, his his uh, intentions as it pertains to the election, give me your thoughts on the Russian bounties. The New York Times ran a story saying that the Russians have been paying bounties to Taliban members to take out American lives, to kill Americans in order to drive America out of Afghanistan. Now, I don't. I, there are many reasons I have a problem with this, not the least of which is the fact that Russia pretty much hates the Taliban. Uh, I, I can't imagine them trying to enrich them. But the accusation is that this all happened, and that nobody. And President Trump said nobody told me about this. The way they're portraying it, it's that something that is obviously happening, Russia's interference there with uh, with uh, the Taliban and killing Americans, it all went on under the president's nose, or at least his administration's nose, and the intel agencies did not even bother to tell him. He is saying, I wasn't briefed on this, so I don't know what's worse here. First of all, the lie, if it's a lie. Second of all, that our intel did not tell the president of the United States. Or uh, the third option is they did tell the president, and the president is essentially just denying it. So do you have any insight on this you can offer? Well, I, I, I don't, but, but i, I got to tell you, my, my, my first thought is, oh, so well, let me get this straight. In an election year, there's some, uh, some, some Russian story coming to light that, that no one knows if, if it's true. Wow, it's not <laughs> like we haven't seen that, that, that before. So, you so know, let, let's, let's see. Uh, what, I, what I do know is I trust the president. Uh, I do know this president is, will, will, will you know, love this country, do whatever it takes to protect this great country. So uh, let's let's get let's get the information. But you know who are these people leaking this information out to the New York Times? We've seen that before. We saw it all in 2016, 2017 with the whole first Russian hoax. So I don't know if this is or not. It may be true. I just don't know. But um, it, my my first thought is, wow, it's not like that. not like this yeah. is uh, something that that we have. Yeah, seen. we have seen fake news like this from them, especially yeah. coming up, particularly yeah. involving uh, uh, Russian stories. Um, Katie McFarland is a former deputy uh, national security advisor, obviously, and she said on this morning, it may indeed be something that that was reported and that the intelligence agencies found to be non-credible. And she said she's been in the rooms for briefings. And the fact of the matter is the intelligence agencies are not supposed to bring these things to the president unless they are 100 percent verifiable, because God knows what would happen if the president acted on something that wasn't 100 percent true. So so it, it very well may be that nobody briefed the president. And it very, mal- very well may have happened, but until it could be proven credibly, it's not getting to the president's office. Yeah, look, we just don't know right now. Uh, but you know, I, I got to tell you, I got this. My, my, I'm always concerned when, you, in sort of a, like, well, let me think about this because you know we have sort of been down this road before. But this may be different. Who knows? We just don't know. Yeah, you're 100% right, and and they're going to do everything they can to make the president look bad, which brings me to that last point. Um, 
reports today uh, from Fox News citing some anonymous GOP insiders say that the president is dispirited by the poll numbers and that he's in a very fragile state of mind right now and that the president isn't somebody who would want to go into a, a fight that he cannot win and take that loss, that he would consider dropping out before he would actually go into a race against Biden and, and lose it's it. Laughable. Uh, well, I just, I'm laugh. giving you the reports and I want to know, yeah. I want to know, you know, I don't know who these insiders are. Maybe this is part of the deep state, Congressman? I mean, it's part of this, this relentless effort to go after the president. Let's go back to July and uh, June and July of 2016. I seem to remember the polls weren't too good then. Uh, I seem to remember the president was behind in like 99.9% of every poll taken and some of them he was way behind. And guess what happened on election day? Donald Trump wins in an electoral college landslide. 63 million Americans vote for him, and we've had four amazing years under his leadership. And can you imagine what the what the world would look like if Hillary Clinton had been running this thing things for the last last three and a half years? So uh, I think Americans remember that. And look, you drive across Ohio, West Central, North Central Ohio, I see a bunch of Trump flags right beside the American flag. I see that all over the place. And and I think because again, I think Americans understand this is about will America be America in the future. And, and, and our rich history and rich heritage, will it be that? So I, I, I'm, I'm not worried about that at all. That's just, you know, if you just look at your news app on your phone, you would think, people like you and I, Bob, you would think like, oh, we're, we're, we're no one thinks like us. Because the, the press is so biased, such, so many lies, so much misinformation, and this is just one more example of all that. And, um, you know, somebody else pointed this out, and I'll bring it up to you as we wrap this, that having these polls be so negative for the president right now would be a perfect cover for what a lot of people feel like is going to be a fraudulent election. Uh, you know, if they, if, if we end up because of COVID, which is all suddenly on a surge again, and it's back, you know, here as we head into the fall or late summer and into the fall, COVID is back. And if we end up having to vote by mail and they are able to do what we have known them to do, this would be their, this, this would be their cover seeing, you know, how can you be surprised that, that Joe Biden won in this all mail election when you, you know, vote by mail election, uh, when you saw how big he was leading all summer long? Yeah, it's, it's, it's scary let's let's go to the polls and vote let's do it the way america is supposed to do it um and i I, again though i think i've always had the utmost trust in the american people um i think i think they see this all for what it is and i think they're going to reelect president trump well you know it's not about who votes it's about who counts the votes and that's what i'm worried about in an all-mail election if we ended up doing something like that well i don't want that i don't want i want i don't want an all-mail election either (laughs) i'm with you yeah, I'm with you. Because again, you know, again, it's rife with fraud. We already have already seen uh, electoral fraud, and we've seen examples of it. By the way, in, in in mail-in voting too. We, for crying out loud, there's video right now of postal workers dumping flyers for for uh, conservative candidates into a dumpster. They won't even send out the regular mail. Can you imagine if they're they're being trusted? And I'm not, of course, impugning the character of all postal workers, but you understand the point between the Democratic operatives and individuals who are not sworn electoral service workers, people who are. Are just supposed to deliver the mail. You, you know, there's so many different opera, uh, 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 possibilities of fraud uh, that we I can't even count them all. Nobody can, and that's yep. what I'm. Yeah, no, about. that's why. Look, if you're gonna, my attitude is if you're gonna vote early, go walk into the voting, walk into the board of elections and do your ballot there. So the, the, the ballot is with the board of elections. Doesn't, exactly. Doesn't run doesn't run through anyone else. It's your. It's in, it goes from your hands to the board of elections that people actually count it and. Uh, if you have to put it in the mail, steal it, put it in the mail, send it in the mail, that's that, that, oh, maybe okay, probably okay. But what we don't want is what happens in, in, other, in, in California where 
that someone other than the post office, the board of elections, and the voter can actually touch the ballot, touch physically touch right. the ballot, and right. the ballot harvesting. That's the worst of all. So the best is when it's in person, it's just you and the, and, and, the, and the board of elections on election day, or before election day, you and the board of elections. Then it's just you and the voter. Uh, the voter and the board of elections are, are only and, ones physically act, have access and, to the ballot. And yet the Democrats, including Nancy Pelosi, continue to call for an all-mail election in order to keep a mail-in, that is, uh, to keep the uh, uh, to keep people free from the virus. Uh, and that's, yep. that's a very concerning thing. Congressman yep. Jordan, thank you. I appreciate all your good work, all right. sir. Thanks so much for your time. Thanks, Bob. Take care. It's it's ten oh three. We're a little late to the news. That's okay. We'll catch up on the other side.